0: Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. Basil the Great Catholic Church Brecksville podcast. I'm your host today, Tommy Dome, the Director of Evangelization, and I'm very happy to be with someone I want to introduce you to so you can get to know him better. His name is Father Ryan Mann.
1: Well, hello, Tommy. Hello, everyone. It's great to meet you in this kind of a podcast setting.
0: Yeah. So, the purpose of this episode is going to be to throw a flurry of questions at Father Ryan here since he is going to be the administrator here at St. Basil the Great. And you're going to get to know him through his homilies and his presence at ministries. But I'm going to ask some questions here that maybe you would not hear the answer to in a regular homily. Some of them I hope you wouldn't. (laughs) I hope you would not center a homily around some of the (laughs) answers to these questions. So, we're going to have three sections to this interview introduction. There's going to be some general get-to-know-you questions, And then a section, what would you say to? And then a lightning round of some lighthearted questions and fill in the blank questions to round out our impression of you. Okay. It's
1: daunting, but I think I'm ready.
0: All right. So you have been described as a Jewish jazz comedian. Does that pretty much sum it up there?
1: Yeah, pretty much. No. Uh, No. So, yeah. Jewish because my dad's side of the family is Jewish. Right? So he... He converted to Catholicism uh, after he met uh, my stepmom my second year at the seminary. But before that, he was Jewish. And so I have a half-brother and half-sister who are Jewish. They live up in Michigan. In fact, this December, I'll be gone for three days because it's my niece's bat mitzvah. I've been going the last few years for bar mitzvahs. Bar is guy, bot is girl. Uh, So that's the Jewish part of this Jewish jazz comedian. uh, Jazz comes from the fact that before I entered the seminary, I was on a full ride at the Berklee School of Music Satellite Campus here in Cleveland for jazz trumpet performance. I was able to play with Ernie in the Fat Tuesday Big Band. I got to play with Barry Manilow once. Uh, that's a big deal. Really? Yeah, I, mean, I didn't get to meet. I you did not know that. Okay, full disclosure, it was, it was a rehearsal that I was playing for, uh, but I still got to play and he was there. And wow. I had uh, Thai food with him and about 50 other musicians. And then uh, I got to play with the Cleveland Jazz Orchestra. So I was certainly immersed in that world. Still very much one of the most relaxing things for me is to go to a jazz club and uh, hear some live music. And then finally, comedian. I did, uh, after Jazz World, I did the next logical thing, acting. And at that time in Cleveland was the Second City Improv Comedy Group out of Chicago. They had a school and a theater here in Cleveland. And I, I took that like a fish to water. That was so, I loved it. It was enjoyable. I I mean, I was... Pretty successful pretty quickly. And then from there, I did the thing like every priest does after going to jazz and comedy. Then I went into the seminary after that at about 21 years old. So it was a busy couple of years out of high school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what what happened in the middle there to, uh, to where you were like, okay, you had that a new fun. route. I
1: wasn't <laughs> that fun. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, about three things came together. The first was both in jazz and comedy. I had pretty good success pretty quickly. So like somehow in my heart, I knew – what it was going to be like to be really, really good at this field. And I was like, uh uh-oh, I I, I don't want that life. If I was going to be a jazz musician, that wasn't what I wanted to do. And like being a comedian, I was like, I love bringing joy and I love being on stage. But I was like, there's got to be something more. And I wasn't too active in my faith until right out of high school, about 1920. So while this restlessness is kind of awakening in me, at the same time, there's a growing Practicing of the faith. I'm going to Mass now every Sunday at this point in my life. I'm starting to listen to disciples who are practicing their faith during the week, praying, going to adoration once in a while. And so I finally had a very powerful experience in adoration. I went to confession for the first time since my first communion. So I was 19, it's been 11 years. Wow. And I went back and my penance was simply pray five our fathers. And I went in front of the Blessed Sacrament and was just pierced so deeply with this presence of Jesus that seemed to say to me, I know. I was it. I know. And it's like he knew me from the inside out. And it was such this tender, kind love that I said, well, this is everything I'm looking for. Like the restlessness is answered right here. And so that got me just kind of all confused. And then I had a young priest in my life at that time who was on fire. He knew the score, of the calves, the browns. He knew what the Pope was saying, the Bible. He kind of knew culture and humanity. And that really resonated with me. And so he was happy. And he said, go to the seminary. We had a few uh, discussions that are not appropriate on a podcast because I was pretty honest with him. And then after those discussions, uh, he finally said, give it a year. If it's not for you, your soul's at rest. You'll be a better husband because of it. But if it is for you, you're one year closer. I thought, well, it's kind of hard to argue with. So I went in pretty open. And uh, after a few years at the seminary, I kind of had a deep sense that this is where you know the creator of the stars wanted me. So.
0: You mentioned you ran into a happy priest, and uh, that reminds me a couple weeks ago after the news broke that you were coming here, Father Walt on a conference call with the rest of the staff, he described you he was trying to describe you a little bit to to the staff for those folks who didn't know you and one of the things he said, he said he just seems like a uh, like a like a happy priest, <laughs> which is a tremendous compliment, yeah, because. We don't need no curmudgeons, right? And, yeah. and just uh, folks are miserable when they should be radiating the joy of Christ. So, are you a happy, priest? Why? If so,
1: yeah, I think I think I am happy, and I think um, I think one of the reasons I'm, I'm so happy is is I really do believe in the Catholic Church and in Jesus. And so, like, this isn't just a job for me. Like, it's not just like oh, I had no other options. I might mean, had a ton of options. In fact. Someone offered me a gigantic job running a medical company in Michigan the, the week before I was ordained a deacon, and I would have had no financial worries or anything. Thanks be to God, it wasn't really attractive to me. <laughs> but I, I just deeply believe it. I think every human heart wants what we are able to offer. And so it's like a great joy to be like, they don't even know it. They think what I represent is outdated, archaic, out of touch, whatever. But that's all the more exciting that like I get to shatter your perception of what the church and a priest is. And I get to give you something that makes you come alive. And so I think at the heart of it is I believe in the truth of Jesus and the church. I believe what we're about. And I think also I have just like the like some of the greatest friends. And so they know me. I have no I have friends who I have nothing hidden from them. They know my ugly soul. They know the beautiful parts of me. And no matter what I'm telling them, something ugly or something beautiful, the next day I get a phone call. They're like, Hey, want to hang out? like it just doesn't fade. It's like a real unconditional love. And so in those relationships, I've learned to grow. And so I think those things come together. I also think Father Walt sees me as happy because when I met him, uh, I just was so impressed with him. And so I think he could sense, I was like, this guy's awesome. And like, I've just been given like this huge gift by being assigned to St. Basil. So I was kind of excited. So I think he saw like, this like a kind of a smirk on my face the whole time we were talking is like, I feel like I was a kid. giddy, like, yeah. yeah, like giddy. Like I was a kid who got like the sweet Christmas gift, and I can't wait to tell everyone else about it.
0: Yeah. So you wanted to come here even before you were assigned.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if everyone knows the process. Ultimately, God's providence and hand is in everything, right? So, okay, God wanted me here. God wants you to have me as your administrator. Okay, but just like in anything, He works in very human ways. So, about two years ago, it went out that Father Walt would be retiring, and uh, I thought, hmm. I know some things about St. Basil's and I know I kind of have the energy level, a big parish, a small parish. I get pretty bored. And uh, I thought, oh, well, that might be a neat place to go, but I didn't know much. I knew some things and they were things I heard were pretty attractive. And so then as it started to get closer, I was approached by some people who are really kind of influential in the decision-making process saying, I think when it becomes public, I think you should apply. And an application to a parish means just you're putting your name and saying you're interested and you're open. And so I took that as a sign because this individual would have not have known what was going on in my heart. So I took that as a sign that the father was like, hey, I, I've got just keep listening. Keep listening. Like, All right. So I applied and when asked why I wanted to go here, I said, I really believe in this parish's ability to evangelize, which I just fancy church talk to say, I really believe this parish's ability to show people that Jesus Christ will make their life more beautiful and meaningful than if they don't have them. And I really thought the things I'd heard, I really believed in that I wanted to hop on board and keep that going. So that's why I wanted to come here was the reputation it had. And a few weeks I've meet, met staff and things going on here. There's just a lot of things lining up in a beautiful way. And so I'm very grateful Father Walt and everyone here.
0: Thanks be to God. And you mentioned the, the term administrator. So what's, what's that, all, all that business about? Yeah.
1: I know this is public, but I'll be honest. It's a weird term. Okay. Even for us, it's like you are, but you aren't pastor type of thing. So only bishops can make pastors. We currently don't have a bishop. So the administrator of the diocese, Father Don Alexiak appoints us our assignments currently. He's appointed me to St. Basil's as administrator because he can't name a pastor. Then when we get a bishop, the thought is that at that point, provided that there hasn't been any rioting from the people of St. Basil's against me and provided that I'm still in love with this place, uh, it would be a good fit. Then they would name me pastor. So that's what it is. It means they can remove me at any time uh, if something happens.
0: All right. But all things going well, then, then you'll eventually Barring be appointed pastor. Issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, enough about that business talk. Let's get to what people really want to know, which is what can we expect from a Father Ryan homily?
1: That's a great question. Um well you can expect like a genuineness. As I I've been at two different parishes, and I think that's the number one compliment I get about my homilies, is they just they seem to be very much flowing out of you, like very much prayed through, thought through. I normally don't write my homilies down, so I'm looking you right in the eyes with masks on, it's really hard because I tend to like to know if someone's smiling or not, but I just presume everyone is at this point,
0: even if they're not. <laughs> Sticking their tongue out. Yeah, you don't know.
1: So um So you're going to get a very honest, authentic homilies, and I think you're going to get homilies that make the biblical world move from like a Rubik's Cube to real life. So like this confusing, weird thing that you got to figure out, and it's for academics to, oh my gosh, this isn't a Rubik's Cube, it's actually the light shining on my real life and gives me a way to live. So I think that that's kind of what I'm always looking for, is resonating your experience with what Christ is trying to show us in giving himself to us in the Eucharist.
0: Cool. Now what about yourself, your personal spirituality? How would you describe that? And how do you how do you pray?
1: Yeah, I don't like the spirituality question. It's it, it, in the sense that it's just it's hard to say. I my spirituality is one that I believe that God is alive and communicates to me pers- personally, just like everyone. And so like a lot of my spirituality is like asking, seeking, listening, hungering Lord, I'm like, what are you trying to say in this experience? What, what are you speaking to me in this relationship? Or as I go into my silent prayer, I try to do a holy hour every day. If I'm doing a holy hour, like I'm just listening to, there's something in me. I feel like spiritually, like a muscle's cramped. Lord, what is this? Would you show this to me? And just trust that like he's devoted to us as a tender father. And so he's eager to bless and raise and father his sons and daughters. And so I presume that in the background, that he's eager to father me and raise me up in glory through Jesus. And so I know he wants to help me. So my spirituality is a lot of just like, Lord, what's what's going on here? What are you trying to say to me? Where are you at work? How do I do this, Dad? That type of stuff.
0: So maybe if I could describe that Please. as quick as possible. Your spirituality is one of response. Correct. Which assumes – God is acting. No, God is speaking. God cares about your personal life. And so you are trying to stay close to him to say, all right, what are you up to right now?
1: Yeah, I think the worst thing that we have in most of our Catholic imaginations is this notion that if you're going to have a spirituality, you're a sage figure on the mountaintop. And once in a while, you come down to visit the villagers with some epic word from the heavens. Uh, and the word became flesh. So that word in the secular realm or those weird tribes, <laughs> that word that he would bring down from the actually became flesh and took on a human life and worked in a, as a carpenter and had meals and laughed and saw sunrises and enjoyed great drinks and laughed with friends. Like that's how he became flesh. He's speaking and all the human things we're encountering. So yeah, very much a response trying to hear type of thing.
0: So if I could ask you then, since you are in this response and sort of listening mode, what has the Lord said to you personally recently?
1: Yeah, the most recent thing is, as I'm going through this time of transition, he, he kind of keeps asking me, he's like, do you trust me? I found out a month ago, right? So it's like two months of transition time. There's a sense in which he's saying, don't you trust that like I have something for you during this time? Do you trust me? And when the Lord speaks, because you can hear the same phrase many different ways, do you trust me? Would be like, "Uh, whatever you want me to do, just don't hurt me. But it's not. It's like he's got a big smile, like a daddy has a hand behind his back because he's got an ice cream cone. The kid has no idea. And he's yeah. like, "Do you trust me? Hey, are, hey, you are, wink, you, are you waiting? Waiting for this?" Like, and you're like, ah. "He's like, you got to put down the toy, and then I'm going to give you something. You're going to And you're like, ah. and so that's kind of what he's been. That more of that type of imagery.
0: Hmm. So you know that for decades, Saint Basil's has had a relationship with a parish and an orphanage and a village in Honduras. Have you done any mission work in your life, gone places, or yeah. had those sort of experiences?
1: Yeah, great question. In fact, um, two weeks ago, maybe, I w- met with the Honduras mission team. Father Walt invited me to a meeting with uh, the people who were running the the missions, as well as the two new guys that are looking to help out and take leadership roles in the future. So I got to hear about it, see pictures, and it was a great meeting for me. I've been to Honduras on a mission trip with another parish in the diocese, hmm. Jezu Parish, and we went to Telgus those of you who've been on the mission trip, you remember what it's like when a plane landing in But You feel like you're going to have to skydive out. It's a great experience. <laughs> and um, and we were at an orphanage with kids. And I remember building, uh, I think, a chapel at that time and painting a school wall uh, when I was at that mission trip. I've done another one in Jamaica that really was life-changing for me. It was with a ministry called Mustard Seed. And kids who had AIDS, HIV, or mentally and physically handicapped used to be thrown in the dumpsters in Jamaica. Oh, and this ministry team started getting these kids— and raising them. Well, now the kids are like 15 and 16 and they're having so many of them. They had to create like actual homes for them and how to raise them. And when you go there, you it's part-time teaching the kids. It's part-time playing with them, but it's also cleaning out new orphanages and new buildings that are donated to help them. And this ministry is a beautiful ministry and uh, they have a great crucifix that I uh, used to have. I lost it in my move to Strongsville, but it's a beautiful place. Uh, so I do have mission experience and I think it's very very important to learn when God speaks, he's not speaking simply to uh, you know Americans. He has all of his sons and daughters worldwide, and so some of his kids are really suffering. And yeah. it's important when we pray, we have a global heart.
0: Well, before we get into some of the uh, lightning round and quick fun questions, a couple more tougher ones, just so we can get a, a window into you. Tragedies in your life, loss that you've experienced, how has that formed you and how did you respond in faith
1: thanks be to god i have had no one die on me in my family like a mom and dad at a young age or it was grandparents in their 90s things like that so uh, in that way i've been spared some tragedies of life but certainly very much hard knocks as i mentioned already my parents are divorced they got divorced when i was 18 and uh, my dad got remarried after he converted to catholicism in the church my mom decided to stay single I have a, I grew up with a mixed family religion-wise, uh, half-siblings, step-siblings. And I think what it did is reminded me very much of one of my favorite quotes is that the cultural notion of values is kind of gray. There's no such thing as good and evil and just whatever, just do your best or don't be mean. That's basically it. And oftentimes people in the church can think that the way to respond is we're black and white. The more gray things get, the more loud we're going to be about black and white. Mm-hmm. And Bishop Robert Barron says – We have some blacks and some whites, but more so than not, we're technicolored, like a stained glass window. So we have some clear good and evils, no doubt. We also have blues and rich greens and yellows and oranges and reds. And that's what I've learned is that life is very complex. And it's formed me to realize that mercy and truth aren't enemies, but that at the right time, truth offered in a context of love and support can set someone free and oftentimes a heart plagued by the Hardened sin and the most pains in life can break open with immense compassion.
0: So and that could be the most merciful thing you could do at that moment.
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think so. I think some of the greatest moments in my life have been uh, giving someone the benefit of the doubt one more time and seeing that that was where the Lord rushed in and opened up their heart with goodness and truth and beauty and love. And they begin to recognize, My biggest fear that if you knew me, you'd hate me turned out to be the opposite thing, that people do know me and they love me and God created me good. I just have to keep growing and overcome these broken areas, but that I'm good. And there's all the hope that pours out. So, yeah.
0: That that brings up another question, which is, as you've reflected and and prayed and listened to what the Father has to say over the past uh, decade or so, what were or what's one of the lies that you believed? Just a lie from the devil about you or about God or about something. Great question. And I, I, I'm going to
1: use the words from my first spiritual director as a priest, Father Al Krupp of Happy Memory. He was a great priest in our diocese. He summed up what I was struggling with with the phrase, if you knew me the way I knew me, you'd hate me the way I hate me. And so the biggest lie being that I'm somehow bad it's not that I don't do bad things. I do bad things. I'm a sinner. I go to confession at least once a month still and all these things. But it's that God willed me as gift. I'm actually very, very good. Like unique, unrepeatable manifestation of the infinite God. That everyone has this identity. Everyone's unique. To get to know them is to get to know something of the glory of God. But it doesn't mean that there's immense pain and brokenness. But that person is so good. So the lie is usually identifying with the pain and brokenness rather than recognizing I'm a person who's loved, who's suffering from this pain and brokenness. And so that was the lie and the truth that had to – at different times in my life, it has to be healed in new ways. But I would say that's that's a big one.
0: All right. We've got some contentious times going on in this country right now. So I'm sure everyone is wondering, this fall, who are you going to vote for? Uh, to be the treasurer for 6th grade student council at St. Michael's school. Oh, my god. Well, I'm going to have to weigh my options. Is it Ricky? Ricky. I like her. I like the name. Yeah. Yeah. I like her.
1: I trust S- a Ricky.
0: Sally though, she she's got a pretty good fiscal policy for the like Thirty-two dollars that student yeah, council. More Snickers raise. bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's her the vending
1: machine. That's her platform. I heard. Yeah. Those were the things we
0: used to debate <laughs> in middle school student council. Were you on student
1: council, Tom? No, no, oh. no, no. I never no. did either.
0: Okay, so are you, uh, you? You really looking forward to preaching during during the run up to the election this fall? No,
1: I wish I could come to Saint Basil's <laughs> like next year or the year your last year. I don't. Uh, I don't, and it's not a great time for priests. I can ask this of all of you. And I'll be honest. I met a parishioner already because she called me at St. John Newman to ask me about what I'm going to preach on during the election time period. Wow. Obviously, she was very bothered and nervous by this. I can say two things about it. First is this, is that I really sincerely mean it when I say being Catholic transcends being on the right or the left. And one of the challenges we have is that does God define me or does another affiliation define me? To big interior transformation that takes place. That said, I think this country works best when Catholics vote the Catholic way of life. I think the world is better when we're 100% Catholic than when we're not. And I think the more that our values and our worldview can influence the public policies, the better each person, no matter what's going on in their life or what's happening inside of them, I think they'll be valued and cherished and respected more if the Catholic views are voted on than if they're not.
0: All right. Well, let's move to uh, our our other two sections. These are quicker. And so this section is called, What Would You Say to... So, you ready? Mm -hmm. What would you say to the people of our parish, if there's one thing you wanted them to know about God? He's alive and he loves you. What would you say to our parishioners about the Bible?
1: It's alive and speaking to you.
0: What do you want to say to the families of our
1: parish? I know it's hard and messy, but if you make St. Basil's a priority, we'll make you one. That was good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, what would you what would you say? What would you say to parents of St. Michael school kids?
1: Thank you so much for trusting your kids to the Catholic school for formation.
0: What would you say to our seniors, including many of whom are homebound or might be suffering with a chronic illness?
1: You are not forgotten, and Jesus sees you with such love.
0: What would you say to the people in our parish who have jobs and are working hard and are living that normal sort of midlife routine? They're working 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week.
1: This does not sum you up. God has given you an immense dignity. And even though I know you're tired and you're working hard, this is not the final end of your story. There's so much more that
0: God wants to do. What would you say to our young people, especially our high schoolers and life team? Don't settle. You were created for
1: so much more. And the dreams that are in your heart for greatness, those dreams are satisfied in Jesus.
0: And what would you say to anyone out there struggling with fear and anxiety over the coronavirus and our country? I get it. All right. That section's over. Now it's time for fun lightning round. Who's your favorite saint?
1: Uh, St. John Paul II.
0: What's your favorite genre of food? I don't even know if genre is a thing that's used in food world. I don't think it is, but okay. it's great. We'll do it. Know. Kind of
1: cuisine. Is that what you'd want to say? Uh, I don't know. Either way, it's Italian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you a sports fan? Oh, I love the Cavs. I love basketball all the way through. And I was really blessed. The last parish, a guy worked for the Cavs and uh, gave me tickets one time and I took three other priests and a seminary and a guy said to be a priest. He was, I don't know where the seats were. Two rows from the court, actually uh. like three rows back from the court. And I thought I had to stretch. I thought I might get in the game.
0: It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Put me in.
1: (laughs) What hobbies do you have? Uh, I like going to jazz clubs and comedy clubs. I also like uh, spending time with my friends in the summertime, grilling out, going to Edgewater Park, things like that.
0: What do you like better, beaches or mountains? Haven't been to many mountains, but I love beaches. Who does your heart break for? Uh,
1: Elderly people who are alone and young people who – Uh, feel
0: lonely the most influential book in your life one or two
1: I feel like I'm supposed to say the Bible but it's probably uh, God at the Ritz would be the number one book that probably influenced me favorite book of the Bible well that's a great question Tommy John's Gospel's up there I also like the prophet Isaiah yeah we'll go with those two
0: All right. Fill in the blank. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most parishes don't have enough... Vision. The thing most people don't realize about prayer is... It's primarily God's work. What the Catholic Church needs now more than ever is... Merciful saints. Father Ryan Mann is courageous enough to preach about... Jesus being alive in Brecksville. I bet one of the blessings that's going to come out of the coronavirus is? An intensification of what it means to have
1: a practice of the faith.
0: What else should we know about you?
1: I'm, just, I'm really looking forward to being here. And that uh, I, I just asked for like, I've never been a pastor before. <laughs> I've also never been a priest in Brecksville before. And all of you know better than I do. Like the size 72 shoes I'm feeling that Father Walt wears when he walks around the place. like I feel like his size shoes are like Shaquille O'Neal's and I'm like a toddler at Gap Kids, (laughs) like Gap Baby. (laughs) So uh, if you can just give me the benefit of the doubt that I'll never do something to be mean or because I don't like you or that this is a bad place. Not at all. I will always try to do what I think is best here and after talking to people on staff and other things. But Please give me the benefit of the doubt that I'm going to try to do what's best for all of you and know that I have already started praying for everyone.
0: Awesome. And we've been praying for you. All right, my friends. Well, that is a little bit of a deep dive into the person and personality of our administrator and future pastor, Father Ryan Mann. Happy to say, pray for him. And if you could pray for this podcast, too, that the Lord's will may be done with it. And that it can glorify God. Give us a rating in iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. And follow us on social media because that really does get the word out more. And there are many, 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 many ways to evangelize. And one of the ways is on digital platforms. And I'll tell you, we have more than doubled our reach on Facebook since coronavirus started. So every... Bible verse that we put up there, every homily that we post reaches more than twice as many people as it used to, and that's because you hit the share button. Check out some of the other episodes on this podcast. We have everything from audio Bible, where I just read a book of the Bible to you and give you a little bit of commentary in the first minute or two. Tommy, as an do introduction. you use accents? Just the one I got. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know if you just my natural one. And we've also got interviews and we've got homilies and we've got different explainers. Father, would you give a priestly blessing to our folks? I'd be happy to.
1: Almighty God, the creator of the whole universe and dedicated to us as a loving father, I thank you for technology. I thank you for St. Basil's. I thank you ahead of time for what you will do here. Give us a renewed faith that believes in your power to awaken us and heal us and give us the life, the life that Jesus says is a life to the full. And bless all those who are listening, and bless the whole town of Brecksville in a special way, all the parishioners at St. Basil's. Through the intercession of St. Basil, the Blessed Mother, and St. Joseph, may God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if you want to become one of those merciful saints that the Catholic Church and the world needs, pray every day. Open your Bible. Get to Mass at least every week. Get to confession once a month if you can. And every year do something big, whether it's a retreat or a pilgrimage, to really give your faith life that shot in the arm that you need. Till next time, Thank you so much. God bless you, and we love you. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.